Hello, everyone, and welcome to the April 23rd edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd's Karen and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with this week's news. The San Bernardino County District Attorney began laying out its case in a preliminary hearing against a Rancho Cucamonga disaster restoration company charged in a multi-million dollar forgery and insurance fraud case. At a preliminary hearing, prosecutors present the outlines of their criminal case and the judge determines if there's enough evidence to proceed to trial. The investigation into Service Master's business practices was triggered in 2007 by a call from an insurance company handling a client complaint. It culminated in the April 2011 arrests of Stephen Manchester, Bob Roberts Jr. and Heather Rivas on 45 felony counts, including grand theft and forgery. Manchester and Roberts were the owners of two Service Master franchises, including the one in Rancho Cucamonga. Rivas was the controller. All have entered not guilty pleas. Service Master specializes in restoration, cleanup, and construction after a fire or flood. Prosecutors allege the three defendants cashed insurance company checks by forging homeowner signatures and fraudulently endorsing mortgage companies' banking information. The checks paid for work that was not completed by their company and, in some cases, no work was done at all. Since their arrests last year, the district attorney filed an additional six charges of workers' compensation fraud. An investigator testified that as she delved more deeply into the business practices of ServiceMaster, she determined that the company was misrepresenting the work being done by its employees. Defense attorneys plan to put on an expert witness on the stand who will explain why the company did not commit workers' compensation fraud. An Apple Valley man was arrested for allegedly committing four counts of workers' compensation fraud and one count of perjury. Investigators with the San Bernardino County DA's office opened an investigation of Francisco Ramirez in August 2011 after receiving allegations of possible insurance fraud. Ramirez allegedly sustained an industrial injury in 2009 when he claimed to have injured his back while lifting a heavy object at work. Ramirez was ultimately provided benefits from the company's work comp insurance. During the investigation, officials uncovered evidence supporting the allegations of fraud. Investigators arrested Ramirez this month without incident after he agreed to meet with investigators in Ontario while on his way home from work. Ramirez was booked at West Valley Detention Center in Rancho Cucamonga on suspicion of work comp insurance fraud and perjury. If convicted on all counts, Ramirez faces nine years of prison time to be served in county prison. And in regulatory news, the DWC has posted an updated pharmaceutical fee schedule price calculator and data file on its website, including the most recent prices received from the Department of Healthcare Services. The division will resume posting the weekly files as they are received from DHCS. DHCS has indicated that there may be further Medi-Cal price updates for some national drug codes in the coming weeks as it works to restore price dates that were missing due to the unavailability of first data bank average wholesale price data that began in September 2011. 
When the DHCS has completed the update that was necessitated by the unavailability of data, the DWC will prepare a listing of those national drug codes that experience changes. DHCS has indicated that the updates should be completed within a few weeks. Workers' compensation payers may then make corrected payments for pharmaceutical bills that were paid during the period that updated fees were not available. The DWC has also received inquiries regarding the paper billing form adopted for pharmacy billing. The billing regulation adopts the National Council on Prescription Drug Programs, Workers' Compensation, Property and Casualty Universal Claim Form and specifies version 1.0 dated May 2008. However, the Council has informed the Division of Workers' Compensation that version 1.0 was a draft that was never put into production. The NCPDP form that is available is version 1.1, dated May 2009. The DWC intends to revise the regulations to specify the correct version number for the form. In the meantime, it would appear to be reasonable for pharmacies to use version 1.1 and for claims administrators to process bills submitted on that form. And in medical news, a new study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine suggests that injections of steroids or arthritis drugs in the spine may not provide much extra relief for people with chronic back and leg pain due to nerve damage. The drug injections also did not increase the risk of infection and other complications despite some previous safety concerns. It's possible, researchers said, that higher doses of steroids or the anti-arthritis drug Anatercept may do a better job of easing pain in this notoriously hard-to-treat group of patients. Or people might get more pain relief if the shots are given as needed instead of at set intervals. One of the researchers from Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine said that this kind of pain is very challenging to treat. There's no reliable treatment that works in everyone, and generally medications tend not to work very well. And although surgery may help in the short term, studies haven't found a difference in people who did or did not have an operation a couple of years down the line. The 2011 Express Scripts Workers' Compensation Drug Trend Report says that waste adds $2.1 billion to pharmacy costs. The research found that $2 billion of waste resulting from use of higher cost medications when therapeutically equivalent lower cost alternatives are available. $107 million of waste was caused by the use of out-of-network pharmacies and third-party building. And $40 million of waste came from the use of higher-cost delivery channels such as retail pharmacies instead of home delivery for long-term medications used by patients. Narcotic analgesics had the highest annual cost per user in 2011, accounting for about 38% of total drug spending. Oxycontin had the highest per-user cost and accounted for 10% of the total drug spending in 2011. Costs per user for compounded prescriptions increased 13.7% as well. 
Another new study published in the Archives of Internal Medicine says that more than 10% of prescriptions in one Canadian province were for drugs not approved to treat the patient's condition, or what's called off-label use. And many times there was little evidence that the drugs would work. And researchers said the results would not be that different in the United States. A medication is being used off-label if a doctor prescribes it to treat a condition other than the ones Health Canada, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, or similar national regulatory agencies approved based on tests for safety and efficacy. Researchers said doctors typically prescribe medications off-label when their patients fail to respond to other popular approved drugs or when they have a rare condition with few available treatments. Researchers examined data from 113 primary care doctors who wrote more than 250,000 prescriptions for just over 50,000 patients. 11% of those prescriptions were considered off-label by the standards of the Health Canada Drug Database. However, the researchers did not have information on how well those drugs ended up working for the patients who took them. But they determined that four out of five off-label prescriptions didn't have strong evidence suggesting they were likely to be effective. Strong evidence in this case included at least one controlled clinical trial considered the gold standard of medical research, showing the drug could help the patient's disorder. Drugs meant to treat central nervous system conditions like chronic pain as well as infections and ear, nose, and throat problems were most likely to be prescribed off-label. The researchers also found that drugs approved by the government prior to 1981 were much more likely to be prescribed off-label than modern drugs. The study pointed out that not being approved for a specific condition does not mean a medication won't work or that it's not safe. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said the United States is making progress in reducing the spread of infections to hospitalized patients. 21 states reported reductions in so-called central line bloodstream infections from 2009 to 2010. A central line is a tube inserted into a large vein of a patient's neck or chest for treatment, often while the patient is in intensive care. The CDC said that when not put in correctly or kept clean, the lines can become a freeway for germs to enter the body and cause serious bloodstream infections. Nationwide, there was a 32% decline in central line bloodstream infections. The decline was even greater at 35% among intensive care patients. Researchers attributed the reduced number of healthcare-related infections to national and state prevention efforts. There were smaller reductions in infections caused by other surgical procedures. With a state-by-state -state reporting system called the National Healthcare Safety Network, which was launched in 2006, hospitals can now compare their own infection rates with similar facilities. More than 5,000 acute care hospitals now report data to the network. And in financial news, the state fund just announced the 2011 annual report that says the state fund ended 2011 with just over $1 billion in net premiums earned. State Fund President and CEO Tom Rose said the fund is starting to see benefits from expense management protocols, 
and the consistent performance of a well-balanced and highly secure investment strategy. The fund then declared a $50 million dividend for its policyholders, the first in a decade. State Fund is in the second year of its three-year plan to consolidate operations, shrink its real estate footprint, and reduce operating expenses. Annual savings from the plan are anticipated to be $350 million, further strengthening State Fund's financial position. As a result of State Fund's geographical consolidation, $45 million of proceeds were collected from the sale of real estate offices located in San Francisco and San Bernardino. The WCIRB has completed its report on insurer loss and premium experience through the end of 2011. Among the WCIRB's findings, Statewide written premium reported by insurers has risen by $1 billion for the second consecutive year. The $10.8 billion in written premium reported for 2011 is the highest premium since 2007. The WCIRB projects an industry average charged rate for 2011 of $2.39 per $100 of payroll which is 3% above 2010 and 11% above 2008. However, the 2011 industry average charged rate remains 62% less than the pre-reform high of 2003. The WCIRB projects the 2011 accident year combined loss and expense ratio to be 126%. This combined ratio represents the fourth consecutive year with the combined ratio well above 100 percent. The 2011 accident year indemnity claim frequency is at approximately the same level as 2010, but is almost 9 percent higher than the frequency for 2009. An examination of Bureau of Labor Statistics and Economic Development Department data for California shows Hiring for the insurance industry is expected to be flat for the next two years. The exception might be in jobs for sales agents. In 2011, there were 179,000 insurance carriers and related insurance jobs in California. This represents a year-over decline of 0.4% in jobs. Many of those job cuts were by carriers. Employment for insurance carriers declined by 3% while employment for agencies, brokers, and other related insurance activities rose by 2.1%. And analysts say it's unlikely to improve in the Golden State anytime soon. By occupation, insurance-related employment will likely be down for the next two years. Adjusters, examiners, investigators, underwriters, and claims processing people and policy clerks all show declining employment. The only job area that shows promise is sales agents, where jobs are expected to grow slightly. However, the next five or ten years, it looks like better growth. What that all means is that companies will hire slowly and cautiously and find ways other than hiring to deal with increased demand for their insurance products. As far as the insurance industry grows, demand for insurance is going to increase with the next 10 years, but employment is going to increase slower than demand. And with that, that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. 
And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. And please drop by again next week for more news.